Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. For some, sports in Nebraska is more like a religion. And for those devout followers, there's Church of the Corn with Zach Santi, Alex Drake, and Fitz. On 1620 The Zone, 1620thezone.com and the Zone app. Church of the Corn starts now. Here are Zach, Alex, and Fitz. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us today on here at the Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone, brought to you by FCC Trucking and Summit Medical Staffing. Actually, it's just me and Conrad today, so... Howdy ho, neighborino. Yeah, you guys get to talk to us today. Um, if you want to join in the conversation, give us a call, 402-951-1620, or get at us on Twitter, uh, NEB Hype Man on there if you want to get at me. Uh, we got a pretty loaded show today, and I am excited for it. We'll start off with some news of the day, going to the Michigan-Nebraska game, which I'm going to be honest, as, as big of a game as that is for Michigan, I kind of forgot it was getting played, and it's just because of how Nebraska's season has gone, but we'll get into that. Um, X-Factor players on both sides. Michigan's got some dudes over there that I really want to talk about, Nebraska as well. Um, Coaching candidates, there was a story that was leaked, I think it was last week. Uh, Where where did I got it? Let me pull it up here. Oh, yeah, by... uh, Cornhusker Wire or USA Today, I believe, with four coaches. I want to break down those four coaches. They got some interesting names on there, um, and I'm starting to get warm on a couple of them. So I want to break those down. Some big NFL news, best games for the day. We got Brian Munson back this week for recruiting, so awesome there. And then I'm going to try and make you guys some money at the end of the day. But let's start off with some big news of the day. This is one that I've seen um, – and I, I shouldn't be too shocked about it, but I kind of am. The Washington, D.C. Attorney General files a lawsuit against Daniel Snyder, the Washington Commanders, Roger Goodell, and the NFL. That seems like a big deal, doesn't it, Conrad? Sorry, I had to run out. What was... No, you're good. <laughs> um, the uh, Washington, D.C. Attorney General files a lawsuit against Daniel Snyder, the Washington Commanders, Roger Goodell, and the NFL. Why? What'd they do? So um, it was. Does he want to go back to the Washington football team? Because, like, I'll sign that. (laughs) That's actually a much better name, by the way. I would much rather be the the Washington football team. But I guess it was a. There was plenty of things. Uh, It was essentially a laundry list. I'm trying to pull them up right here. Uh, Where is it? Uh, Let's see. Conspiring and. Uh, Essentially, uh, it says allegedly colluding to deceive fans and distinct residents of the league's investigation into the team's toxic workplace culture and allegations of sexual assault in an effort to maintain a strong fan base and increase profits. Yikes! That's not good. No, bad, bad, not good. Yeah, um, it's. Yeah, direct quote from Carl Racine, I guess, is the Attorney General says, because you can't lie to D.C. residents in order to protect your image and profits and get away with it, no matter who you are. 
Racine then added, even if you are, even if you're the NFL. I mean, that's to me, that's a big deal. Um, anytime, I mean, the Washington Commanders have been in the news, Daniel Snyder especially, for seemingly not running a clean organization the last few years. Anyway, I guess we can't be super surprised. Sounds like they're looking to do uh, subpoenas and testimony under oath. So, going to be really interesting to see what happens with um, a lot of it. I know a the lot of it. The deposition is, uh, <laughs> if I'm reading this quote correctly, and I like to think that I am, uh, b- between the laughter, uh, the depositions are not likely to occur on a yacht, but in an actual conference room in the District of Columbia, which is just funny to me. That's that's incredible. That's so good. Just incredible. I, I mean, I think Daniel Snyder is probably the biggest, uh, I don't even know what word I want to call him, not good guy in the NFL as an owner. I mean, mm. even other owners want him gone as an owner. Is he like the Robert Sarver of the NFL? He's minus the racism. Yeah, okay. I, I mean he's just terrible. He, he's not a good owner. I don't know how he's held on to that team as long as he has. That's that's the nicest way I'll put it. Um, and I also believe that they referenced uh, Brian Robinson, the rookie running back who was shot. Uh, yeah, that was that was referenced in some vague fashion as well. So when one of your guys gets shot. Probably not good to throw him under the bus, I would think. But, I mean, I guess what do I know? I'm, I'm, I, I mean, you're not an NFL player. I'm not an NFL player, and I guess I'm not an NFL owner. I wish I was, but not, unfortunately. But, yeah, that's what's going on with the uh, Washington Commanders. I did see another big story last night. The Temple Owls knocked off number 16 Villanova for the first time since 2012. Uh, Villano- Villanova 1-0. The Temple Owls were 0-1. And that's a pretty big upset two games into the season. I mean, obviously, it's not going to sink Villanova's season by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But still, when that's a that's a huge upset. I mean, number sixteen losing. It, it, it's it's interesting to see, and maybe that's how this season goes. I'm, I'm here for foot, for basketball chaos. Personally, I enjoy it. Um, I'm I'm number one for basketball chaos. Most of my basketball is. NBA, so uh, the Kyrie Irving situation is hilarious to me. Like, don't oh my god! First off, first off, absolute insanity. He is uh, is an absolutely terrible person, and I do not. I'm not saying anything that he did or anything like that is is funny. But the situation that he put himself in, that's what's funny. It seems I like want, I need I need that clarified on no, the record. <laughs> well, so I actually kind of wanted to bring up the Kyrie situation last week, not getting to like the details of it because the details are what they are. We all yeah. know what the details are, and if you don't know what they are, I'm not going to get into them. You can look them up, Google, ESPN, they got everything for you. But the situation surrounding how he gets himself into these situations because it's not one, it's many. Like the last few yep. years, like. Dude, you've got this much money. Maybe, maybe hire an assistant to bounce an idea off of before you go on social media. I think you or, should just or hire, your buddy. hire somebody to run his socials, period. Maybe do that. I think that's a better idea. You know? I mean, it would be like if I... Because I feel like his buddies are all, all yes men. So they could be. They're just telling him what he wants to hear, and it's... If he has his buddy run his socials, it might be just as bad. I would like to think 
if I was going to post the same thing that Kyrie Irving did and I bounced it off Drake and Fitz, they'd be like, uh, they'd slap you. I would probably put that one in the save drafts and read that one tomorrow. Just yeah. you know, take a couple days and sit on that one. Yeah. Um, you've got an endless. I mean, when you've got that kind of money, you've got an endless amount of money. Let's just be honest. Unless you're an idiot and you spend it frivolously, and we we see it all the time. Yeah. But as long as you're decently savvy with your money, you you can save that money. You can hire someone to keep you from getting in trouble. It's like hiring an, an Uber driver. To keep, uh, you know, stop you from getting a DUI. It's like having a social media assistant to prevent you from getting blackballed from the league from being an idiot. Yeah. I, I don't get it. Like, I don't get some of these athletes and do, do we not have common sense? Like, what's common sense anymore? Uh, you know, I, 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 uh, this isn't to disparage people who didn't go to college or anything like that. Cause I didn't go to college. I dropped uh, out of community college three times. Exactly. So like, I can't even say that like, Oh, they only spent one year in college. So it doesn't matter. Like that's, that has nothing to do with it. Uh, I feel like because they don't really have to think about common sense growing up, they only have to focus on getting better and, and making it into the draft and like all that. They like, it doesn't even occur to them. Well, do you think it could be a thing of, not so much an education thing, but it's more of, of your your background, some of the things you're exposed to and not exposed to. And then later in life, you, you're you exposed to a, a wider world, and you really don't know which way to go. Because there's so much out there. Once Before we had the internet, I mean, we didn't know 99% of the stuff we know. That's true. But now that we've got the internet out there, it, it widens your eyes to so much. And there's a lot of lies out there and disinformation out there. There's a lot of truth out there. It just it depends what kind of path you fall down, honestly. Um, like I was watching this show last night. I think it was uh, it's it's a brand new show on, on Netflix. I think it's like Ancient Architects or Ancient Aliens, something like that. But basically dates civilization. Aliens. Dude, it's <laughs> the craziest thing. you got to watch it if you got Netflix. Uh, but it's not that I, dude. Uh, I steal a friend's Netflix. Perfect. I've got like some real American I am. I, I think we all still Netflix at this point. Isn't, yeah. that, isn't that how it goes? One person pays for five. Um, it's a crazy show, but as I was watching it yesterday, like just what we thought about previous civilization and how it started. Okay, it was it was a thousand year, one thousand BC or whatever. They're like, no, it's it's thirty thousand BC, and here's the the tracks, and here's the the, the proof, and all this stuff. It's just kind of cool to see how much. Um, like the internet's connected us all and just been able to really broaden our horizons, I guess. That's kind of my big point in all of that. All right. my, my endless rambling there. Um, we're going to get off Kyrie here because I think it's probably a good idea. Yeah. Um, another big story for USC. So college football here. Travis Dye, the um, Oregon running back that transferred into USC, has had a great season so far. Season's over, unfortunately. Um Lincoln Riley did not really say what was going on other than it was a lower leg injury uh, in the 55 to 17 win over Colorado yesterday. Looks like leg was twisted up on. That's that's a big hit for that guy. Um, he had 884 yards going in on the year. Second best in the Pac-12. 6.1 yards per carry and nine touchdowns. Big part of that team's. So, oh, wow, that's, that's a lot of so snow. So much snow. Is that in Arkansas? Wherever Razorback Stadium is, man. Oh, that's in Arkansas. That sucks. Yikes. Oh, man. Well, yeah, I guess it is snowing. Um, 
we're only getting flurries here, so that's a good thing. But yeah, it's. Uh, I wonder what the weather's going to be like in Michigan. I should probably check that out today. I wonder I if that's going to be snowing quite a bit. Which I forgot we got that game going on today. So, Conrad, did you hear the line on the uh, Michigan game? I have not. Twenty nine points Jeez. is a twenty nine point spread, and I'm going to tell you, Nebraska's not the favorite. Surprisingly, at three and six, we are not the say, favorite. Hmm. I know you three and six, nine and zero. It's hard to figure out which ones. I thought which. we were going undefeated the rest of the year. <laughs> you know what? We're still going to do it, Conrad. We still got to keep yeah. that faith. Well, we got Drake up in up in Michigan today. So, if if he could bring us maybe a little bit of luck, fingers crossed. Is he Irish? Uh, I don't know. He nobody no. drinks Irish. Hey oh, hey zing. Well, you know he can't be Irish because he's over six foot. That's true. Yeah. Oh, uh, that wasn't fair. Um, but. You know, maybe he can bring us a little luck up there. I don't think he will with a 29-point spread. That that kind of scares me quite a bit. And the best team that I think they've had in the last decade. Um, yeah, we're we're going to spend uh, – that'll, that'll be the next segment, honestly, is breaking down the Michigan Wolverines and the Nebraska Cornhuskers today. Oof. What, Conrad, we got that weather pulled up yet? I what, do. They, they getting feet of snow up there? They are not. It is uh, 38 degrees. How is it warmer up there than it is down here? Dude, who knows? I haven't seen the wind chill yet, though. Um, that hasn't loaded up. So, I mean, it could be possibly colder than it is here. Google today told me that with a wind chill, it was uh, six degrees. And I was like, this place sucks. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I am not a fan of where I live. I don't know why I live in a place that makes my face hurt when I walk outside. But there's a uh, there's an 11-mile-an-hour wind, so... I mean, I would honestly, if you give me 30 degrees up in Michigan, 38 degrees with an 11 mile an hour wind, I'd take that up there. Yeah, that's not bad. Not for a November, mid November game. I mean, I would prefer it to be like 70 down here, but there's you know. a 5% chance of snow tonight. So they're not getting anything. Nope. It should be a nice, nice, easy game for them. Well, let's take a break. And then when we come back, we'll break down the Nebraska Michigan game here on 1620 The Zone. Now back to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by FCC Trucking and Doug Basse State Farm Insurance. Here on 1620 The Zone, we got the Michigan Wolverines at 9 and 0. Versus the Nebraska Cornhuskers at three and six. Woof. I'm gonna paint a picture for you. The Michigan Wolverines coming in as the number three team in the country, with one of the best offenses and defenses in the country. And Nebraska is, I'll say, limping into this game. And I think limping in is pretty a pretty fair way of of putting this. Um, I don't want to say they're on life support at this point. That's not a fair statement because they've shown a little bit of fight. I, I think this game is going to come down to a, a few things. Honestly, Nebraska does have a shot of keeping it close because N- Michigan is is shown that they're a slow starter. They've shown that all year long. They've let Michigan State stay in the first half, um, Rutgers stay in, in the first half, and then second half they obviously blow these teams out of the water. But the concerning part for me today is, does it look like Nebraska-Michigan 2018? 
And if we remember that game, that was, I believe, Frost's first time um, at Nebraska playing against Michigan. And it was a 56-10 game, and somehow what happened on the field looked worse than what the score presented. Uh, The starting quarterback was Andrew Bunch, just for reference. And uh, he was the leading passer and leading rusher. Passing and rushing combined did not go for 100 yards. 71 passing yards, 23 running yards. Jesus. So that that was a combined there. Uh, It was just Michigan at that game was up 39-0 at half. So like I said, it felt worse than it was. Um, Pity touchdown at the end and then a field goal in the second half. But my concern today is that Nebraska, if they can't put an offense on the field that can maintain drives and at least give the defense a shot to gather themselves on the sidelines, make adjustments, get, just get some rest and, and and rest the legs because we know depth is a problem. It's been a problem all year long. Nobody's coming through the door to save us at this point. The only people that can save Nebraska are in that locker room and on the coaching staff. So Whipple today, and he said it all week, I can't tell if it's been tongue-in-cheek or not because can't tell how old white guys talk anymore because it always seems like everything's tongue-in-cheek. But um, he said he's going to run the ball today and they're going to be consistent with it. And, you know, Mickey and Joseph had this conversation and it's something that they have to commit to. Between the running backs on roster with Grant, Irvin's healthy this week, practiced all week. Um, Emmett Johnson's a guy that I would have loved to seen seen on the field. Uh, and for reference, um, you know, Anthony, uh, uh, Emmett Johnson's a guy I talk to all the time. And, you know, he he's about the same size as Anthony Grant is right now. So when you've got two backs that are about six foot five, the five eleven ish, two oh five, two ten, and they both got the same skill set. If you can get those guys on the field at the same time, why wouldn't you? I just I'm I'm really confused on Whipple's play call and, and his design and I know what Narduzzi said and about the pass happy and all that and you know what it is what it is he he career wise is a 55 percent passer 45 runner just seems like it's gone really haywire the last few weeks now I know Nebraska's offensive line doesn't help that at all but they got to be committed to the run game today they've got to be committed to getting 10 yards. In three plays. that That's all we need today. Come out, give me 10 yards, and keep giving me 10 yards in three plays. I don't care how you do it. Give that defense some time. Give them some rest. And honestly, if I have my say on who's starting quarterback today, I've been hard on this, even in the offseason. I was Logan Smothers over Casey Thompson over Chubba Purdy. I like what Logan Smothers brings to the table. Now, he's not the most polished passer. But he gives you a dynamic that nobody on that roster gives you with his legs. You can work on that arm because he's shown the ability to throw the ball down the field. He's got a little bit of a wonky throwing motion, but we've seen that work. The throwing motion doesn't mean anything. He's a tall enough kid, six foot two. He can throw over the offensive lineman, so not a problem there. Even when the offensive linemen are six nine, and turnstiles and let the defensive end come right in his face, um, but. Smothers is a guy that I think gives you that different dynamic with the legs and the ability to throw on the run and just make plays happen. 
Smothers has to be the guy going forward because I don't think Casey Thompson plays another snap this year. If he does, it's the Iowa game. I just don't think Thompson plays another snap this year for the Huskers, unfortunately. Um, and, and, and that means because he was one of the most consistent offensive players for the good or the bad, that's a problem now because Nebraska had its safety blanket in Casey Thompson. They don't have that now. But let me tell you what they do have coming into their uh, – that defense has to worry about today. Blake Corum, the best running back in the country in my book, or top two, I'll say. Bijan Robinson's right there too. But Blake Corum, just for the record, 199 carries on the year, 1,187 yards, and 16 touchdowns. 16 touchdowns on the year. That guy is an absolute monster and a stud. And I said it on Twitter earlier this week, Blake Corum is the best player Nebraska will play all year, and I don't think it's close. That's terrifying for me. I don't know how long he's going to play today, but he's an absolute monster. Which brings up my next point. Nebraska is 3-6 and six on the year. They're playing for pride at this point because if they lose today, a bowl game is essentially off the table. Is pride enough motivation to get up and play for these guys and bust their backsides for the next three weeks, this week included? I'd like to think so. I think Mickey's got these guys ready to go. I I don't think want to is a problem. I think... I think there's a lot of things that are problems right now, but want to is not one of the problems. I I think we are going to get a motivated Nebraska team. I think Mickey's going to have those boys ready to play on the road, and I'm excited to see what happens today. I don't don't think it'll be necessarily the a a 29 point spread type type beating. Um, Jim Har Jim Harbaugh he's finally made some headway on his side of the conference the last couple of years, and seemingly with his unstoppable run game. His tenacious defense, and finally the quarterback that he needs in J.J. McCarthy. I'm really wondering if Harbaugh has built that program to the point that it can finally compete and beat and annually dethrone the Ohio State Buckeyes. I think Harbaugh finally has that team. And it's taken him seven years, I think, eight years now. But he's finally got everything in place. And I think Ohio State's really got to be on their toes going forward because I think Harbaugh might beat them this year, too. I think this he beats them two years in a row. And one last thing I want to bring up. So Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator from Michigan, went to Miami in the offseason. And I'm shocked. I thought this team was going to definitely take a step back on the offensive side of the ball. I had Michigan fans tell me all offseason, hey, don't worry, it's a good thing he's leaving. The offense is going to move forward. Shocked to say it, they were right. Two guys that they've got, and usually the co-offensive coordinator role doesn't work, but they've got Sharon Moore, who's the offensive line coach, and I think one of the best in the country with his results. And I've seen him on a lot of short lists for um, Dream, you know, coming to, to, to Nebraska for a coaching staff. Nope. His next step's going to be a head coaching spot. He ain't leaving unless it's for a head coaching spot. So Sharon Moore and Matt Weiss, uh, who's also the quarterback coach and co-coordinator, have done a fabulous job developing the offense around their strengths, which is the offensive line and Blake Corum. They know they've got a young quarterback back there and an experienced wide receivers. So why not run the ball as much as you can? Because you've got two great running backs 
in Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. It's it's shocking how much better they've gotten and how much more efficient they are than last year, even losing an NFL back, and they've gotten better. I think Sharon Moore will be taking a head coaching job, if not this year, the next year. Um, I wouldn't be surprised him to, t- to see him in the lines of like a Sam Pittman getting a job, a big job that you really wouldn't expect. Now, I know Pittman's an Ar- Arkansas guy, and Harbaugh's not leaving, but I can see Sharon Moore taking a big-time job here in the next couple of years. Um, just with his results and what he's been able to do. So that's kind of the Michigan-Nebraska breakdown. I'll give my score at the end of the at the end of the show today. But we're going to take a quick break here. When we return, I'm going to get into some players on both sides of the ball, some X-Factors today. You're listening to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. It's been one week since you looked at me. You hit the side and said I'm angry. Five things that you laughed at me. Conrad, I honestly thought this was the actual song and not a choir version of it. They did a pretty good cover there. Yeah, it's not bad. Kudos to them. Well, welcome back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by Rocky Stone and Design, as well as FCC Trucking. This segment, I'm going to go through some of the X-Factor players that I think are going to make a major impact on the game today. Uh, I went for a couple of them on on uh, the last segment for Michigan, but I'm going to start with Nebraska, and then I'll hit Michigan side real quick. Um, I've got four for Nebraska, and one of them is a coach. So I'm going to take a Drake approach and cheat there. But the number one guy I think today is Anthony Grant. If Anthony Grant is not heavily involved in that game, another running back is. So maybe it should be Anthony Grant slash um, Irvin. I don't care. I just want these running backs to have about 40 carries combined today. I need the air taken out of that ball. I need Michigan to have very little opportunities, which I know is going to be tough because Michigan, I believe, has a top five defense, top 10 defense in the country. So what we're asking is not an easy task. If it was, the teams before Nebraska would have done it, and Michigan wouldn't be 9-0. Anthony Grant has to see the ball today. Which takes me to my next guy, Mark Whipple. I don't think Mark Whipple is going to be listening to this show today, and that's okay. But if he is and just happens to flip on 1620 Whipple the zone, doesn't listen to us. I don't think today because he's out of the he's out of the city. And he's he's not in Lincoln. Streaming. That's true. Whipple, download it. It's download the app, 1620 the zone. If he is listening by some weird Weird reason. Can you run the ball today? Can, can you just run the ball today? I don't care if you line up in the option at this point. I know he doesn't know how to run the option. But if they line up in the option, this fan base would melt down. It would be incredible. We'd all be happy no matter what the score was at that point. Don't try to force the ball. Especially if you put Purdy out there, which I have a feeling he's going to be putting Purdy out there today. Unfortunately... And I know I was a Purdy guy in the, in the summer. Yeah, you were. I was. I was. And I will still say this. I think Purdy's got a lot of tools. But when, not where I was going with that. Ah, uh, I see what you did there. <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> I will say this about Purdy before I let Conrad steal any more airtime here. Um, I think with the injuries, lack of experience, and the rawness of that kid, He's at least maybe a year or two away. I feel like he's at the level of Heinrich Harburg at this point, which is terrifying 
Because I thought he was a little bit more of a finished prospect when he came out of Florida State. I know he was injured at Florida State, but highly recruited kid. Um, one thing that Whipple said that, or no, Mickey said that makes me really wonder about what kind of quarterback Purdy is, is he mentioned that he plays finicky and scared. I don't want my quarterback playing scared. I want my quarterback calm, relaxed, and lets the game come to him. I don't want a quarterback that goes out there and forces it because we see what happens. We've had quarterbacks the last 20, 20 years that have forced the game. Doesn't mean they haven't made good plays. They have. But I feel like the overwhelming majority of plays that are forced usually don't go great. So Whipple put these guys into positions where they can be successful. Riola. If we can get that offensive line to where it's functional. Functional. Not good. Functional. Not turnstiles at this point. I don't care if we have to keep tight ends in to chip at this point. Do something that's going to put these guys in a position to be successful. We haven't done that. We haven't done that the last, I don't know, since maybe Rutgers? It's been multiple weeks where we haven't put these guys in the position to be successful. And that's on the offensive side of the ball. Defense, what do you want that defense to do when the offense goes six straight possessions, three and out? I don't think, actually, uh, last time we were in the stadium, I told my wife, I said, look at that clock on the, on, on, their, uh, on the scoreboard. Let's see how much actual time comes off the clock with this offensive drive. I believe it was 52 seconds of game time came off the clock. Can't do that. Got to give that defense a little bit of time. Going to the defensive side of the ball for Nebraska, Ty Robinson. That's my guy. He's made plays when that defense is rested on the sideline and he can get out there, he can get after it. That's your interior pass rusher. That's that's probably your best interior defensive lineman by a, by a long shot. And, I mean, I think Kids is extremely talented. You've got two great defensive ends out there as well, or edge rushers, if you will. But Ty Robinson's a guy that I think has to be a, a beast in the middle today. He is going against the transfer uh, from Virginia at center, who is an absolute stud and will be on many watch lists because they got one of the best offensive line transfers in the country in him. But I'll be interested to see what Robinson does. My last guy for Nebraska I got to have a big game from today, Brian Buschini. I know I've mentioned him almost every week on this program, but he has been one of the most consistent players on the Nebraska team this entire season. The most impactful transfer, I think, on what he's been able to do for the special teams department. Brian Buschini is an absolute stud, averaging somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 to 45 yards per punt. Huge. If you can pin that that Michigan defense or offense deep on the field and make them work for it, that that's all you can do. Make them work for it. Now I do want to give some love to the Michigan side as well because they've got some absolute dudes over there. My favorite running back in the country, Blake Corum. I love the way this guy this guy runs. He's a 5'8", 210-pound, just brick. You know, I don't have to finish that statement. But just a monster of a guy. 199 attempts on the year, 1,187 yards, 16 touchdowns. 16 touchdowns on the year. That is insanity 
and the year's not done yet. I think, for me personally, that's your Heisman front runner right there. Uh, Blake Corum is a dude, and I hate saying it, but uh, I I might have to cover my cover my eyes every time he's on the field today because he's going to do some things. The backup running back, you know, hasn't had as many attempts this year. Donovan Edwards, uh, absolute stud as well. 68 attempts, 458 yards, still four touchdowns. A little bit more involved in the passing game than anything, but he's a big play waiting to happen. Make plays all over the field. Those are your two dudes in the backfield that you got to watch out for if you're Nebraska. If that linebacking core for Nebraska isn't healthy, which it's not, it's going to be a long day. It's just going to be a long day with those guys, especially if they get matched up one-on-one with Edwards down the field. It's not going to go great. So um, I'll be interested to see how they can scheme this up for Nebraska to stick with those guys, essentially. One crazy stat. If you, if, you, if you look at the receivers on both these teams, the leading receiver on Michigan is Ronnie Bell. Good, run, good uh, receiver in his own. 41 receptions, 525 yards, and one touchdown. So not a huge touchdown guy. Compare that to Nebraska. Trey Palmer, 53 receptions, 819 yards, and five touchdowns. You'd think Michigan's number one receiver would be a little bit more, would have a little bit more yardage, a little bit more receptions, and a little bit more touchdowns. But the way Michigan is built, they are built to run the ball. They are built to pound the rock behind that big offensive line. Harbaugh's got an identity up there, and it's 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 a testament to what he wants to do. He doesn't want to throw the ball. And that's fine. Wants to pass the or wants to wants to run. Wants to run it down your throat and wants you to quit. And if they can make you quit, ideal at the end of the day, that's what they want to do. So I think they are going to try and do that today against Nebraska. They're going to try and take that will the the will out of them. And I I think it'll be a close first half, but just like every other game, they seem to pull away in the second half. Now that takes me to the defensive side of the ball for Michigan. They've got a lot of guys over there, got a lot of studs over there. They, the last few years, they had Aiden Hutchinson, David Ojabo last year off in uh, a defense that was incredible that played in Lincoln. And, you know, that offensive line last year and that offense for Nebraska really gave Michigan a lot of fits last year. And outside of the fumble that happened at the last two minutes of the game, which I still got my feelings on that. Um, you know, that that was a hard pill to swallow last year. They, they played so close. But this year, Michigan's got a guy that's, I won't say on the same level as a Hutchinson or an Ojabo, but an, a, a beast in his own right, uh, Mike Morris. 13 uh, tackles on the year. Not, not a huge deal there, but seven sacks, one forced fumble. Uh, he's really come into his own this year. Uh, you know, previously he only had half a sack last year, but... That's that's a testament to the guys he was behind. This year, really come into his own and just really wrecked shop. I mean, two sacks against Iowa, one against Indiana, sack and a half against Rutgers. I mean, the guy is 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 pretty darn consistent. Um just just a game record. And if Nebraska hasn't planned for that, which I really at this point, you know you gotta stop the guy. If you haven't planned for that. I don't know what to tell you because he's going to wreck the game. It, it's going to be a tough one today for the Huskers either way. They've, they, Michigan is the number three team in the country for a reason. But 
I've seen crazier things happen. I mean, I did watch Stanford one time upset USC under Harbaugh, actually. Stanford led by Harbaugh upset USC years ago. Um, So, I mean, I've seen crazy things happen. Will that happen today? Hell yeah. Conrad said, yeah. Hell yeah. Conrad said, hell yeah. So maybe in the next hour 15, I can talk myself into this upset happening as well. We'll see. I don't know. Maybe. We're going to take another quick break here. When we return, we're going to get into some coaching candidates and their backgrounds. It's Church of the Corn with Zach, Alex, and Fitz on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by Rocky Stone and Design, as well as FCC Trucking. We were going to talk some coaches here, but it looks like we got a caller. So uh, let's see who uh, who's calling us. Caller on the line. Hey, Drake, and we can still talk coaches. We don't have to skip that. All right, Drake. Well, what's going on? How's uh, how's Michigan treating you so far? It sucks, man. I haven't found a C4 yet. Um, Are you really well, calling you to complain about C4? I might be. No. I, I called because I knew you needed some help to get through the show. Um, I don't need your help. I know. I know. We are and out. Click. Tailgating. <laughs> we're set, uh, we just we joined the tailgate. I, I got to give Michigan credit. They do some pretty cool stuff as far as being revolved, uh, revolving around tailgates. They opened the University of Michigan golf course today at 7 a.m. People have been out here since 7 a.m., but what they do is they have people out here telling you where to park, and you pay 50 bucks to set up. And it, it's one of the more impressive setups I've seen between college football and NFL as far as a, a tailgating standpoint is concerned. How many ciders have you chugged on the golf course already? I have zero ciders. Uh, Got to step those game up, man. So those are rookie numbers. Huh? Got to step that game up. Those are rookie numbers, man. <laughs> it's not even 10 a.m. yet. Yeah. When's that ever stopped you? Hey, you guys, I got to pace myself. I'm in charge of a rental car. Um, We also, we got some. Is that part of your NIL deal? Private Michigan parties. So that'll be interesting. Well, you know, what if- was that? I was going to say, was that the uh, rental car? Is that part of your NIL deal? It is. It is. Yeah, I I cannot uh, crash this Hertz rental car. Yeah, you definitely don't want to do that. Uh, Hertz has got a pretty good sponsorship package with you. Uh, you, you <laughs> what's uh, what's your feelings going into the game today, man? I think we've talked about it all. I, I don't know if we've talked about it much this week. Yeah, you know, the, the group chat's been dead a little bit this week. I, I think we all lost a little bit uh, of our fire and our soul last week after what we saw against uh, Minnesota. Well, I died this week a little Here's bit. Here's where so. I'm at, though. What did you say? I died a little bit this week, so. Yeah, exactly. Here's where I'm at, though, and it kind of goes with, with the tweet I sent out this morning. We have nothing to lose at this point, right, and everything to gain. We can end up being a season spoiler for Michigan, or we can just lay down and die. I think what we see on the field today tells us a lot about what kind of leadership 
Mickey has over this team currently. I think that's kind of what we're looking at. So, Drake, I'm glad you brought that up because I I brought this point up earlier today. I said Nebraska at this point is three and six on the season. They're playing a nine and zero Michigan team. They're a twenty nine point dog, or or actually I think it was up to thirty and a half. Thirty one and a half this morning. Okay, so almost a thirty two point dog to Michigan. You know, you don't have much to play for. You know, you can, you don't have much to play for. You if you win this game, you can still get to a bowl. That's essentially what you're playing for. If you lose this game, you're looking at at best a five and seven season. Is yeah, is absolutely. pride enough to play for for these guys? It, I, under Mickey, it seems like it is. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. I I want to see something today that we haven't really seen. I want to see. I I just want to see them play completely fast. Uh, no, no fear of failure. And I know we like to harp on that quote for years, but I just want to see them play hard, play fast, play loose. Um, and, and see where, see where it takes them, you know, uh, just like the, uh, replacement scene that I posted in that tweet this morning, they, this team can be dangerous because there really is no tomorrow for them as far as today is concerned. So they have nothing to lose. So why not go leave it all, all out on the field? Yeah, I mean, you're playing the number three team in the country in their home stadium. Uh, and like I said, you're a 32-point dog almost. I mean, there, there's really not a lot you've, you've got going for you. The amount of injuries you've got. Speaking of injuries, who who do you think is the starter today at quarterback? I think it's going to be Chubb or Purdy today. I think that leash is a little bit shorter than it was last week. Um preferably I'd like to see it a hell of a lot shorter, but I I don't know what to make of that that room right now. Is here's the real question to me, and I know this doesn't really focus on this game specifically, is Whipple coaching for his next job or is he trying to get his guy game film for when he steps aside and his guy has to leave again? I'm not I'm not saying that Whipple's totally trying to derail his season. But he has a soft spot for Chubba Purdy, and is he trying to put him in a better position for next season? I don't know. Is Mark Whipple fully committed to winning games for Nebraska? At this point, I kind of question that. Well, and and with the health concerns that Whipple's had, and I think he's in his late 60s, maybe early 70s at this point, um, I, I mean, I feel like this is his last year coaching anyway. I've never really yeah. thought of it the way that you put it with getting uh, Purdy some tape. It, it would seemingly make sense at this point that he's not going to be here, so why why wouldn't I help my guy out a little bit if possible? You know, college football is, I don't want to say a dirty game, but it's a dirty game at the end of the day, you know? You, you watch out for people that got you. It's ridiculous. Which, and, and I actually kind of wanted to bring this point up a little bit earlier today about coaches and, and, and lying and different things like that because you, you heard the Deion Sanders uh, rumors, right? Yep. Okay, so I want to preface this. Coaches lie. I lie for fun. I lie to people all the time because it's fun. So a coach is going to do it when there's millions of dollars on the line. So honestly – what coach is going to say that's already at another job where the season's not over that says, yeah, I'm going to take that job. I, I really want that Nebraska job. What do you expect Dion to say at this point? 
He's got to be fully I mean, committed to Jackson State. I mean, until the season's over, until a contract's signed, you expect Dion to say, I'm the head coach at Jackson State, and I don't plan on leaving. Yeah, 100%. Um, if Dion, first off, if Nebraska hires Dion, I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, I'm excited because I love Dion, but then I question, is he ready for it? And Dion, Dion's his own character, right? Oh, he's, uh, he's something. But no, you're absolutely right. Dion, no matter who the job is that Dion eventually leaves for, he's going to deny, deny, deny until it's time to announce that he's taking it. That's that's just the we nature of Scott coaching. We saw Scott Frost do this in 2018 for Nebraska. We seen Nick Why Saban do it at the Dolphins. That Dion's not doing it. Yeah, everybody's playing the game. I mean, there's not going to be a because what's that locker room think at that point? Okay, our coach doesn't care. Their coach is leaving. So why do we care? It's common sense, people. Exactly. I mean, this is what, and, and you know what? You're going to get this 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 time of year. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what else happens when you do that too? From like. When you look at the team makeup and what that does, when the coach is denied, 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 and then all of a sudden it leaks that he's already accepted a position or, or whatever, at that point it can have a ripple effect into your locker room. Like, hey, this has been all team, 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 and all of a sudden coach is all about him. Then it becomes all about me, 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 moving down the line in the locker room. It has the cancerous effect if it comes out early. Well, exactly, and that's why you see a lot of this stuff happening after the season. It's very rare that you see any of this happening during season, which when you see all the te- the, the rumors and all this and people freaking out, it's, y'all got to have some patience. You can tell yeah. who, who didn't have, who wasn't told, you got to wait as a kid. Like, there's a lot of that out there mm-hmm. right now. And Well, I think that's why the rumor mill for Nebraska specifically has been so quiet from quote-unquote media, and it's us and fans and fan podcasts are drumming up all all these names and everything. The media hasn't said anything for a reason. They don't know anything. And, and I mean, that's why you hire a search firm. You don't want the media to know anything. You don't want any of this to get out. That's what you're paying for. You're paying for secrecy. You're paying for that. Back channel. Exactly. That's exactly what you're paying for. So, yeah, it might kill flight season tracking. That's great. I don't care. Where I'm at with Nebraska at this point is, whether it be Matt Rule, whether it be, I don't know, Mickey Joseph, whether it be Nick Saban, I don't care who it is, hire the right guy that Trev thinks can get this program where it needs to be. Because at the end of the day, this is what Trev's going to be judged on. Mm-hmm. And if he does yeah, not... this hire makes or breaks his tenure. Oh, I agree 100%, because you're not going to get a second one. You're going to get one shot to do this, and one shot only. Uh, like well, Eminem in 8 Mile? I'm... I think Damn Trev you, Conrad, you're good. Tire, Zach. What's that, Drake? I, I think Trev gets two shots at the tire. It, I think, I, and I've been pretty vocal about this, I think his first tire is going to be a five- to eight-year guy if he's successful, and then he gets plucked away for a job that is still in a better position, and then Trev has to replace him. That's why I think Trev gets two picks at this job. Okay, that's a, that's a good way of that's a really good good thought there, Drake. I got a question for you. Would you be able to come back after if if we go to break? Would you be able to come back for one more segment? Yeah, yeah, I can pull that off. 
Okay, cool. Well, we're going to go to a quick break here, and then we're going to bring Drake back for one more segment. I just want to talk some coaches with you that I got pulled up from the uh, USA Today okay. article from last week. Uh, so, yeah, give us like five minutes, and we'll get back with you. Okay, Drake? All right, buddy. Cool. We're going to take a quick break here. When we return, we're going to talk some more coaches with Drake. All right. Welcome back to the Church of Corn. On 1620 The Zone, brought to you by Rocky Stone Design and Summit Medical Staffing. We're going to pop Drake back on the line here, and we're going to talk some more coaches. Let's see. Drake, can you hear me, bud? Yep, I hear you. All right, my man. Thanks for joining us for one more segment, and then we'll let you go in and enjoy the uh, tailgating experience up there in Michigan and Ann Arbor. Uh, one thing, what's the weather like up there? Uh, it's a little bit chilly right now. Um, mild wind. We're expecting a little bit of rain for the next couple hours, 30% chance of it sprinkling throughout. And then um, should be mid-40s the rest of the day. Hey, it's flurrying here. It's 19. Yeah. And you know what? It's supposed to start flurrying here. My, uh, my Apple weather just updated. It is now supposed to snow starting at 11 a.m. and rain or snow until four o'clock. Well, so that's it's gonna it's gonna be rough out there today. Breaking news, folks. <laughs> bum bum bum. Yeah, that's not super Drake, but you brought up something that I never thought about with with Trev before we went to break. Trev being able to make two hires here. So, yep. If his first one's successful, which obviously that's what we're all hoping for, gets him a second chance. Who mm-hmm. do you? Do you have a name in mind or a couple names in mind for that first hire? Um, yeah, we talked about it on the pod a little bit last week. A guy like Todd Munkin is really starting to grow on me. Um, and it's not that it has nothing to do with the style. I know every time somebody says Todd Munkin, do you mean they think uh, it has to do with the triple options? Do you mean Todd or Jeff? Because Jeff's the one at Army. Okay, that, that's Jeff. Okay, sorry. No, no, you're good. I just wanted uh, to check that because one's at, uh, I think one's at Georgia and one's then one's at, at Georgia, yep. one's the head coach at Army. And Munkin was actually uh, one I wanted to ask you about, too. Yeah, for sure. So, so I got four I names, think, actually, uh, for you. Okay. So I, I like Jeff Munkin at Army just because that's a tough job, and he's done so well there. So Munkin has really grown on me the last – Last week or so, as I've really looked into him, Matt Rule yep. has grown on me a lot, too. Yep. Um, it has nothing to do with that article I sent you about Matt Rule either, does it? No, not at all. <laughs> Maybe a little <laughs> bit. Um, the analytics in which they, they put into Baylor was was really interesting to see it and kind of showed how how much they put into that development department, which was really cool to see. Now, yeah. I love that as well, but here's the one thing I don't like about it. You know me. I have several family members that work in professional baseball. And baseball, basically since the movie Moneyball has come out, has gone really analytical. Um, you know what they call organizations in baseball that are 100% analytical-based, and they don't go with the eye test. They don't go with the sound test when they're scouting players. They call them torpedoes because – Sometimes the numbers lie. They don't tell the whole picture. And that's the one thing that worries me about rule a little bit. 
Yeah, he, I mean, I, I, I do get that because at, I'm a recency guy as well. And what he did, and I know the college game and pro game are completely different. But he still yeah. flamed out in Carolina, and, and it, it wasn't a good it wasn't a good fit from there. Let's be honest there. But yeah. what he was able to do at Baylor, kind of taking over a dumpster fire, and you know, and what he was able to leave that program at, I mean that that's a testament of his coaching. I mean, he is able to coach guys up. Proved it at Temple as well. So I think as a as a developer with the right guys around him, I think Rule could do some good things. Um, I've got another name that is a, a little bit yeah, more of a short a term. Uh, what do you think about a Gary Patterson? You know, you and I, we've talked about Gary Patterson several times. Um, Gary Patterson five, ten years ago, maybe. Today, eh, it's a lot less attractive unless you are going with Gary Patterson to be the guy who mentors who you predict to be your future coach. Um, so, in theory, we're, we're talking somebody to mentor Mickey into taking that role, right? That's where this, that's where this idea is coming from. Essentially, Patterson, um, yeah. Yeah, because Pat, Patterson's not going to be here for five to eight years and then move on. He's ready to ride off into the sunset. Which is why he stepped but, down or got fired. For, or I don't know what the situation was at TCU. but besides got fired, mixture of both. But Patterson, I think you could sell this vision to him. Hey, come be the hero to revamp Nebraska football. Teach the young guy how to be great, how to win, how to be a successful coach, and leave a legacy far better than you ever created at TCU. I think that's something that you could you could get a guy Gary Patterson to follow fall into. I do too, and with where he's at in his career, and, and his ability, he's shown the ability to be successful. Now, granted, at one stop, but he showed the ability to be successful for quite some time with a, a coaching record of one eighty one and seventy nine. I mean, that alone that that's impressive. And he took yeah, him from three exactly. conferences. Let's not forget from the uh, the Conference USA to the Mountain West to, f- to finishing up in the Big 12. Yeah. I mean, that's and three you know, different styles. I said this about uh, Matt Campbell a lot, Zach. I said, hey, there's a ceiling at, at Iowa State, and there's a shelf life. And I think Matt Campbell is closing in on both. That used to be the case at TCU. Gary Patterson broke through. There's not a lot of people that can break through your permanent school ceiling and your shelf life. That is impressive what Gary Patterson did for such a long period of time. Well, yeah, because TCU was always that other Texas program. It was, and the same thing with Baylor. They were the other Texas programs until they started really being able to compete with the Texases, the Texas A&Ms, and the, well, I'll even say Texas Techs of the world. I mean, once they were able to step up SMU. to that level. Yeah, exactly. Once they were able to step up to that level – Everything changed. Yeah, and you can make a case in regards to TCU and Baylor and Texas Tech. They're so far second fiddle to Texas A&M and Texas that some of those schools like SMU might be a little bit more attractive to players because they're in a little bit lower level, not division, but conference. And they can really show out there. If you're going to the second-tier school in TCU or Baylor, 
you're still playing against top-level competition, and you're not going to get the opportunity to show out as much. Yeah, I mean, you've There's seen it with case, a lot of transfers. The that TCU and Baylor might be the third, fourth, and fifth best schools. I mean, they, they've definitely worked their way to it at one point. Absolutely not. But they've under Patterson and what he was able to do and the multiple coaches at Baylor. Oh, I'd agree 100 percent with you. Yeah, for sure. So, I, you know, I, I do have a question for you. So going off ages of coaches, because you always hear that we don't want to hire an old coach. The, the mm-hmm. four coaches we listed, I'm going to go through the ages with you. Gary Patterson, 62. Mickey Joseph, okay. 54. Jeff Munkin is 55. And your young buck of the crew is Matt Rule at 47. Okay. So, I, I know we always want to hire the, the young up-and-comer, but going off the two coach hire that, that you said earlier, I think best-case scenario at this point, or one of them, is you hire Patterson to be on a – Four to five year plan. Keep Mickey on as your associate head coach, wide receiver, and whatever the hell else titles he wants. As Munson said a couple weeks ago, whatever titles he wants, you give him, and then set that up. But that hasn't worked in the past, though. That that um, plan, you know, it, it's it's backfired everywhere it's happened. Well, I think you could argue that it was successful at Oklahoma for a while. I guess yeah, before Riley left because it was Stoops and Riley, and then Riley took over. Yeah. And, and yeah, and I guess Venables. Urban and Ryan Day at Ohio State. Yeah. Wh- I guess I was, maybe I'm thinking more of the. Um, Osborne Solich? Yeah, maybe that's what I'm thinking of, where it's it's like, yeah, it just didn't work. Or they had the. I think it was at Texas a few years back where they had a coach in waiting, and then the coach ended up going somewhere else. Or it was another big yeah. time program. But it just, it doesn't seem like it always the works out. Thing is, the coach and waiting idea is far more successful in basketball than it is in football. That's without a doubt. Yeah, it just seems like there's those those head coaching jobs at the college, uh, whether no matter what level, or the pros are just so much more desired in football than in basketball. Maybe I'm reading that yeah. wrong, but it just seems like they're, they're so much more desired. So someone's not going to wait. And if they can get to a new program and run it their way, they will. Yep. Hey, buddy, I got to go. Enjoy the rest of the show, and uh, I'll see you when I get back. All right, Drake, thanks for calling in, man. Appreciate it. Have a good time, and uh, enjoy the game. Bye. Bye. So that was Drake giving us a call from up in Michigan. Sounds like it's going to be a a nice tropical day up there for him. Um, You you know, we, we brought up some of those names, like I said. I've gotten really warm on a few of those names that were leaked. I was really hard out on a lot of them, like Jeff Munkin. The Army head coach, I was I was out on him, but after looking into his background, you know he's he's got a ninety nine and sixty four overall head coaching record, and he has coached at some tough places. Georgia Southern's not an easy place to win at, and three of the four years that he was the head coach there had him in the uh, the, the conference uh, division, the Division One semifinal. There we go for the um, FCS. That that's not easy to do. Uh, so he did that, his overall record at Georgia Southern, 38-16. and 16. And then Army, which is a hell of a place to win at. He's 61-48 and 48 there. He's had Army at five bowl games. So this year he's not as impressive at three and five, but the previous two years he won nine games. I think if brought in, could be a guy that 
instills a little bit of discipline coming from a military academy. He's not able to recruit the way he wants to right now um, because you're very limited. I mean, the military academies are probably on par with the um, Ivy League schools as far as their requirements to get in and just the process you have to go to. Matt Rule's a guy that's really grown on me as well. Um, I, I've got a lot of qualms about him, but I think he could fit here. He's a New York guy, Pennsylvania guy. A ton of coaching experience all over the place, especially being in uh, you know Temple, the Giants, Baylor, the Panthers, Buffalo. I mean, he's been all over the place. He's an interesting one. Um, I'm not... I'm not, I've got a lot of qualms with him. I'll, I'll put it that way. If he was hired, I think he can do a lot of good things. And then Patterson. Patterson's a guy that, I think he's the true wild card here. He seems like the guy that could go, could be a, I still think a little bit of a splash hire. I think he's a little bit, a little bit past his, his, his prime at this point. But if you can get four to five years out of Patterson, a guy that's ran programs, I think that's a good thing for Nebraska, and they could they could use it at this point. A lot of good things with him. Won a lot of coaching awards. Won a lot of conference titles. He's a winner. One eighty one and seventy nine. Hard to turn that down if you're Nebraska at this point. You, you got to imagine he's at least gotten a phone call. But we're gonna take a quick break here. When we return. We're going to go into some big college football games for the day here on 1620 The Zone. Now back to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back to Church of the Corn, brought to you by Doug Bosse State Farm Insurance and Summit Medical Staffing. This day in college football is loaded with games. Just listen to me and I'll tell you every game you need to watch today. Starting at 11 a.m., I think it's I think this is one for an upset. You've got number 7 LSU, Brian Kelly versus Arkansas. Now, Arkansas has not had the best year. I'll, I'll flat say that. But man, Arkansas plays tough. They're they're still they're five and four. The three game the four games they lost Texas A M by two. They lost Alabama by a lot twenty three. Uh, Mississippi State by a lot, and they lost to Liberty. So maybe I shouldn't be calling for an upset here, but I'm going to do it anyway. I think Arkansas upsets LSU today. It's going to be a tough one, but I I think they ended up pulling it off. Um, LSU to me is not a super uh, it's not a team that's going to blow anybody away. There's snow on the ground, and there's no snow in Louisiana. That's oh, ever. Yeah. I forgot so. about that. It's it snowed in Arkansas, and it was a lot of snow. Yep. So, Game set checkmate. I, I guess we're going to see how these SEC play SEC teams play in the snow today. That's going to be fun to watch. Um, let's go to a two thirty game. So the first one was 11 a.m. game. The next few are 2.30 games. So uh, one that I think everybody around here is going to be at least watching with one eye. The other eye might be closed or have a hand over it. But Nebraska versus number three, Michigan. Um, I'm still not going to give my score. I'm going to wait till the end of the end of the show to give that score. Maybe I'm getting a little bit warmer on Nebraska. Maybe that's why. I don't know. But 
that's a 2.30 game up in Ann Arbor. We've got our guy Drake up there to uh, sneak into the locker room and mess with the player stuff. So um, we're playing checkers, not chess here. Um, next game will be number nine, Alabama versus my guy, number 11, the lane train, Ole Miss. I'm going another upset here. I'm going to go Ole Miss. Toot, toot. I don't know why nobody likes my train noise. I think it's very masculine, and I think it fits me perfectly. Toot, toot. Um, I'm going to go with the lane train in the upset today. I'm going to not do that anymore so that nobody makes fun of me. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised that's not a drop already. Sorry, I don't Give mean, it time. It, it'll get there. Um, it, it, that's going to be a tough game. You know, Alabama has lost two games this season, and I don't remember the last time Alabama has lost two games in the same season. Um, Tennessee and then LSU by a combined four points. I mean, incredible to see uh, the rest of the season for Alabama. If they can beat Ole Miss, I mean, they're they're sneaking into the playoffs again. It's going to happen. But I'm going to call for Ole Miss to stop that bid today. In an empty stadium because Ole Miss cannot fill a stadium. So, Lane, if you're looking for fan support, come up here to Lincoln, Nebraska. We'll fill up a stadium for a 3-6 and six team. So, if you're 9-0 and up here, we'll definitely fill that bad boy up. Next game at 2.30, we're going to go with uh, the number 22 UCF, I think Fighting Knights, versus the number 17 Tulane Green Wave. Yep, number 17, Tulane. Ah, oh, man. Tough game. Um, UCF with Gus Malzahn and what he's got going on down there. Just keeping the UCF train going. I'm going to say UCF does take this one as well, so it looks like I'm just picking upset over upset today. Uh, another 2.30 game. We've got Iowa State, led by Matt Campbell. Not having one of his best years. Um, going against the Oklahoma State Cowboys and Mike Gundy. Another Nebraska coaching favorite up here. A lot of us like Gundy. That sweet, sweet mullet. I'm a man. I'm 40. Damn you, Conrad. You're good. You're the best in the business. I do what I can, man. <laughs> I love me some Gundy. I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Shim, 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 shim. Cowboys win today. Um, I, I really like what Gundy's got going on down there. Now, lost a couple games he shouldn't have, but Gundy's still a hell of a coach. And I think one that still needs to be in the Nebraska coaching search. Um, next game, we're going to bump to 6 p.m. We're going to bump to the Pac-12. Number 25, Washington versus number 6, Oregon. I mentioned in the offseason that Washington is always a sleeping giant. They, they're one coaching hire away from being a sleeping giant. They're not a blue blood, but they're historically they've been a pretty good team um you know under peterson they had they had a pretty good run um in the 90s they had a pretty good run as well i mean they've had some good runs at washington it's not a bad program um, but they are playing number six oregon led by dan lanning you gotta wonder how much these coaching uh rumors are starting to get to lanning because there seems to be a lot of smoke um connecting lanning from oregon to auburn I'm not making that move if I'm landing. I'm staying out there in the Pac-12 where I can build, um, essentially keep building what Cristobal started up there, building an SEC team 
in the Pac-12. If I'm him, I'm staying in Oregon. You've got endless resources. You have very little competition in the Pac-12. Let's be honest. This year, you've got some competition with your USC and your UCLA. But but historically, the last few years, um, USC, UCLA, Washington have not been great. So I think Oregon takes this one pretty handily. I think Oregon manhandles Washington tonight. Um, and I, th- I think they I think they win by, I'm going to say, 14-plus. Um, next game is also at 6 p.m. Number 19, Kansas State. The Kansas State Wildcats going against the Baylor. Baylor, Baylor, Baylor. Oof. I have not seen so many people cool on a head coach as quickly as they have on a Rand in a while. He's he's a guy for me that if Nebraska has a shot to take Dave Aranda, that's a no-brainer. Um so far this year, I mean Baylor is still six and three on the year, going against six and three Kansas State Wildcats, both four and two in the conference. Baylor's losses. <laughs> excuse me. Um West Virginia. And Oklahoma State. I mean, not bad losses. Losing to West Virginia at West Virginia by three. Not a terrible loss. You've got Kansas State coming off a loss to uh, number 24, Texas, by seven. It's going to be interesting if um, Martinez can come back and play. Or if it'll be the backup again. Um, Backups played great Will Howard. Um, he stepped in admirably in, in his in his times. Once again, he was a third-string quarterback going into the season. Um, if Martinez is there, that's a completely different team with him and Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn also 173 carries on the year, 975 yards and five touchdowns. I mean, another top running back in the country. Can Baylor upset him? I, I want to see Baylor get this upset. I'm, I'm going to say... Baylor does upset the Kansas State Wildcats. Um, next game I got, num- it, and this one's at 6.30, so we're finally get, we're at the nightcaps here. Um, number four, TCU versus number 18, Texas. Someone said a great point about um, Gary Patterson keeping TCU out of the playoffs at TCU. Said, why wouldn't he continue the tradition at Texas by keeping TCU out of the playoffs by beating them? Great point. I TCU with Sonny Dykes this year and Max Duggan, impressive. Um, the way he was able to implement his scheme, his spread scheme in one year, they had the pieces. Let's let's not act like they didn't have the pieces. The guys were there. Max Duggan was very underdeveloped. And the what he's looked like this year is absolutely incredible. To have TCU at number four in the country and in the playoff talk? I mean, I don't think Sonny Dykes is going to be on a short list to leave. And, and for reference, uh, ESPN has um, Texas as a 73% favorite which ESPN doesn't know anything anyway. So just wanted to bring that up for reference. Seven-point spread. Um, you know, I'm taking TCU here. Seven uh, TCU is a seven-point um, dog. Taking TCU here. Uh, Max Duggan on the year, 
24 touchdowns, two interceptions. Absolutely incredible. Um, you know, they've got a, a great running game as well. Thousand-yard rusher at this point in the season. Um, it, we're going to get a great matchup of two running backs today in Miller and Robinson. Uh, tune into this game to see a couple of the top running backs in the country. And Xavier Worthy on the outside for Texas. You got the mullet Quinn Ewers and Max Duggan. It's it can't miss football tonight in Texas. So definitely check that one out. That one's on here at 630. Um, we are going to take a quick break here. When we return, we got our guy Brian Munson from Husker Online and On3 joining us on the Church of the Corner on 1620 The Zone. You're listening to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Church of the Corn brought to you by Summit Medical Staffing and Doug Basse State Farm Insurance. We are now joined by Husker Online and On Three's very own Brian Munson to help us get brought up to date in the world of recruiting. Brian, how are you doing today, my man? I'm doing fine. How are you, boys? You know, we're we're here. We're we're just uh watching the snow outside. Isn't that great? Oh, are you really? Yeah, it's flurrying out here. It's been going on for a couple hours now. Oh well, I mean, it got chilly here. I mean, you can probably hear it in my voice a little bit that the weather's changing, but um. Yeah, it got it got chilly here, and I was like, I wonder what it's even. I haven't bothered to look at the weather in Arbor. I didn't bother to look at the weather at Omaha or Lincoln either. And I'm like, it can't be very pleasant up there because boys were down here playing high school football last night. And I was always thinking as like a spectator. I wouldn't want to have been sitting in the stands. So I can't imagine what things were doing up north. You know, we actually got Drake up north right now in uh, Michigan. He said it's about uh, it's in the twenties, and it's. Uh, it's starting to flurry up there too, so it's going to switch to I'm, rain a little bit for him as well. I'm going to go. I'm actually what you just said. I'm walking over to adjust my thermostat just here and there. Yeah, it sounds fabulous, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I got to say this, Brian. Uh, I, last time I was in Memorial Stadium uh, two weeks ago, um, I heard your your the song that we that we use for your entrance song. They were playing over the loudspeaker, and as they were going, I said, Brian. <laughs> months and the people next to me looked at me like i had a problem so i don't know what the deal I, is but guess they don't listen to church what, of the corn one of the most interesting is and we'll get on with the show we'll get on with a bit here but i was there for spring and i think it was bill callahan's first spring when he rolled out into the into the eye and, and ran the and ran the option right oh yeah and i'm just i'm just sitting there talking with my family and there's this dude sitting in front of me and he turns around he looks at me and he goes are you brian munson and i go Oh my gosh! I'm like, what is? What? I go, yeah. And he said, I hear you every time. He listen to you all the time on the radio. And I go, I go, I live in Dallas. I don't even know how this could even happen, like right here. But it was so such a phenomenal like moment right there to let you know, like reminder of like what's kind of going on up there. As I talk to you, I could walk around down here and nobody would hear my voice and say, Hey, aren't you on the radio? <laughs> it's the craziest thing. Yeah, you you get recognized. It just. Like people might not know you, but once they recognize right. your voice, it's it's crazy how many people actually do know you. 
I know it's absolutely nuts, man, and that's just what makes that that feat and that that fan base so great. Oh, uh, it's a crazy fan base. Well, let's get let's get talking about some uh, some local recruits here. It sounds like uh, Koi Okason. I I don't want to butcher that name too badly, okay. but. Um, from the Dakotas, he picked up an offer from the Huskers. Pretty good sized kid at six foot four, two seventy. Um, you know, he's got some offers from both Dakota states, North and South, and Minnesotas. Where's Nebraska sitting with him right now? Well, you know, and I'll, I'll throw in Riley Sunram while we're sitting here talking about about Coy and Riley, um, two kids out of North Dakota. And uh, <clears throat> I think it's I think these are great offers. Number one, um, here's why. Uh, you know, this staff right here is done everything they can do up to this point with an interim head coach. They, they have recruited. They have gotten two commitments. They've only lost one decommitment. And I think as you kind of get into the month of November, you realize, you know, chances are, you know, the way the season has gone, there's going to be some sweeping changes that are going to happen. And, and retention for a lot of those guys, I think, is going to be tough. Uh, when it comes to coming back and, and staying in their current role in Nebraska, I mean, just I'm just kind of speaking. Um, but, but what they are doing down to the end is they're understanding that regardless of what these guys, what 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 the other guys are, that are going to come in here and do their jobs, you know, afterward after Trev makes the changes, those guys are going to be offer guys because of because of the 500-mile radius, because of the importance of extending the state borders with Nebraska, because you don't have the populace of Texas. You don't have the populace of sitting in, in Orange County, you know, or, or wherever the case may be, or down Orlando or Dade County, whatever you want to call it. This is what Nebraska needs to do to be successful. They have to own North Dakota, down to Kansas, across St. Louis, back over to Denver. Those are those, that's the territory. You've got to own that, and and I really like. I applaud Vince Ginta and Mickey Joseph for for making those offers. I think a lot of times right here, people just been like on cruise control when it came to recruiting, and they're not. And I tell you what, there is something to be said about that. But those two guys, Okuson and Sunram, put their film on Sunram, really getting looked at. I think more for a defensive line spot. Okuson, on the other hand, probably an offensive lineman. Um, both really long, really talented guys. Uh, and and I, I think obviously, you know, I think Sunam has got a few more offers than Okuson does right now, but, uh, I, I think all in all would have been Nebraska offer guys, even if you were sitting here with Scott Frost, you know, looking at, you know, whatever, being, being nine and oh, or whatever, whatever you could be. Um, he, he, those guys would have been offered. So this is, those are some good offers by the interim staff. Isn't Vince Ginta like the most unheralded piece of the off season that's that's helped this recruiting department so much 100 percent um he has been there he understands what you need to do to be successful um you know he understands the importance of the in-state he understands the importance of the borders he understands the importance of the uh 500 mile radius and i think then also he he was really part of that group you know that was there driving the bill callahan machine when they went down to Texas that one year and just grabbed like, I don't even know, nine guys. Um, so they're, they've done, he's done some tremendous things and done some tremendous work. And, and this, there's like, there's like a thing I mentioned on the message board yesterday on Ritzy Scrolls. I said, you know, there's Deion Sanders obviously is a very intriguing guy to kind of throw around as a potential head coaching candidate. But, but there was also like this intrigue around Mickey Joseph to me because it was like, you never really truly 
we're going to see or have an understanding about what it was po- what was possible. And if he doesn't get the head coaching job, because he is a fabulous recruiter, and he could he could surround himself with more fabulous recruiters. And if you had been Stinter there, kind of as a driving force, that had like, you know, you take him out of a, a station wagon kind of kind of mode where you you've got three or four guys that really are recruiting, and now you've got eight guys that are recruiting, and you're putting him now and you're jumping that thing into a Ferrari, and it was just like you he just had to give him a better vehicle, and there was going to be a lot of better opportunities I think to get some guys to come to Nebraska. But look. It's not the same way it was in the '90s. Nebraska doesn't have that success, and 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 the borders are the borders are actually non-existent because of COVID, and everybody's had to kind of bash those things down and go recruit off a of huddle. So now you're getting evaluations from guys from Boston College looking at Nebraska kids. That's that's unheard of. But now but now you got to kind of deal with it. But this is where I think Vince Ginta actually was doing that even before COVID had hit. He was already looking outside the border. Are you looking for those guys he wants to go cherry pick? But he, he still knew like where to go look and where those kids were going to be more open, I think, to leaving home and going and playing for Hey, Brian, you brought up Texas a little bit ago, and it looks yeah. like with the uh, quarterback situation with Pop Watson kind of being up in the air, I mean, obviously we, every time we see him, he's wearing Nebraska gear, and he's, he's still a Nebraska commitment. But it seems like there's still some uncertainty with Whipple's uncertain future. Um there's a an offer to Texas quarterback JT Fayard. Is this more of a non-committal offer like we've seen with Ashley Williams, or is it more of a committal offer? I guess. No, I, I think it's more of a non-committed. I called it a courtesy offer in the tunnel talk last week, and and I think that what you got there is you have Fayard's dad, John Fayard, who played tight end for LSU. In the 90s, which kind of predates Mickey, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a personal connection between Coach and Fayard's father. And JT is not a bad prospect. If you put on the film, you watch the kid, Richmond, Texas, down there around Houston, they play some good ball. And he's got an FCS offer, you know, the southeastern state. Um, so not going to get that opportunity to go ahead and play, you know, go someplace and play ball. But I think what they're kind of shooting for, obviously, is going someplace and playing a better competition level, playing playing D1 football, and just things have tightened. Things have really tightened around, you know, all the guys and all the evaluations. There's fewer guys to go around because you have the portal and you've always had the junior college. Things have just gotten a lot tighter when it comes to evaluations and taking reaches on guys. So Thayer is, is a courtesy offer would never anticipate him ending up at Nebraska, particularly if, if Mickey Joseph is not retained, uh, which obviously I think a lot of people will be disappointed in. I would be as well. Um, I, there would be no chance at all. Gotcha. Is, yeah, it seems like Mickey's just a must maintain or a must keep from this staff in, in some former fashion. Um, there's a couple defensive ends that were prospects for Nebraska that I want to bring up, Ashley Williams and Cameron Lenhart. Um, with yeah. the, the coaching change at Auburn, do you think that opens up Williams' commitment status? And um, it seemed like Lenhart was still kind of pushing himself as a Nebraska guy in some uh, recent social media posts. I heard about the social media post, I, and I got a screenshot from it from a from a friend of mine, and I went back and tried to find it, and I could not. I could not find that. I couldn't find it either. So I, I found I found the first one, but I couldn't find another one. 
I think it was done mistakenly, honestly. Um, and look, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Ken Lenhart committed to Nebraska way before he announced it. There was a silent commitment, silent verbal for almost two months. And I always wonder what secretly, what that, what that privately means to the guy. Like you've told the school, you won't go public, but you can sit there and, and, essentially just kind of act like nothing really has changed and still kind of continue about your ways when it comes to Michigan State, Penn State, anybody else who wants to come forward when it was when it came to his final three. Doesn't it kind of seem um, like having a girlfriend but wanting to keep her off to the side so nobody knows about her? Well, I mean, yeah. It's like, it's like, the, it's like the zip code girlfriend, right? You, get, you go to a different zip code, you can get into a different relationship. So you have different, you have a zip code girlfriend. But it, it was very similar to that. I mean, it was... A little frustrating, of course, obviously, to kind of know about that stuff and the facts behind it, you know, thinking about it. But with Ashley Williams, look, that that went terribly wrong. That just went terribly, terribly wrong. There wasn't a spot, and it never got really kind of approved all the way up. And um, does do things change potentially with him when it comes to Auburn? Look, there's a lot of things that are going to have to be reevaluated, not even just like Ashley Williams, but like, Think about all the junior college offers that this staff has made over the last month. When they get back, when the new staff gets there, when they get kind of in place and they're trying to do that scramble mode for a couple weeks up to the, the next signing day, they're going to have to go through all of those junior college guys and think about who are the guys that really can come in here and play ball next year. Because you've got an evaluation to be made of the current team and the current roster, and if you're grabbing a junior college guy, he must be productive as soon as he steps, his, steps foot on campus. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking that's what probably keeps Ashley Williams out. I thought he was a year or two away, but I thought he had a pretty high school. Yeah, Ashley Williams was a very interesting prospect just because of he reminded me a lot of a Jamari Butler, if you will. Um, he does. Where they're, they're both really long, but they're really raw kids. Um, he, he's got some Caleb Tanner in him, too. Um, there was an, there, there, what I think that you had a problem with, and this is what I had a problem with. I couldn't really necessarily see him in a 3-4 dropping off in the space. And I didn't feel like he was a guy that was 100% comfortable. What Leonard was, Leonard's kind of this really weird tweener guy. He does, he's not 6-5, and he's not 280, but he plays a 3 technique, and he can go out and play in space like a 3-4 like a outside linebacker. He's a, he's a really this tremendous athlete. It's no wonder that he's an All-American. Yeah, and and I'm playing at the IMG Academy, and I think he was named a, a, a team captain. I mean, huge yep. accolades for a kid like that. Um, Brian, I got one more question for you, Brian. Then we'll let you get on with your weekend here. Uh, we brought up JUCO. Are there any yep. JUCO linemen or any JUCO players that w- will be visiting here soon, and that we should be on the lookout for? You know, all of those guys. I was going to write a summary, and I've been meaning to do it all stinking week. And if it wasn't for Stuff going on health-wise or other crap, I uh, would have had it done. Um, look, there's all the guys that I spoke with, and there's probably 10 or 12 of them, um, all, the, all the junior college I spoke with, they were all waiting for their seasons to come to an end. So I think you're still looking at another week or two before all that kind of happens. Then you've got some really, really, really successful guys, you know, like Quintrail Travis, for example, who's on a really good Iowa Western team. And, and his stock is just through the roof. I mean, I think he picked up Tennessee. I think he picked up, like, North 
Carolina State. I mean, he's got some offers now. Um, not that he didn't before, but I think he's closer to like 50 offers. So um, it's it's those guys are going to really wait it out. They want they want to finish up their season. They want to they want to help drive their team to try to get them into that national championship picture through the playoffs. I totally get it. This is a real benefit to Nebraska because they're going to need some time to come in there, get things changed over, evaluate, and then start recruiting again. All those guys, though, however, did say, interested in Nebraska, just have to see what happens if I have to get through my season. Well, I guess we'll figure out pretty shortly what happens, fingers crossed, and maybe we can get some of these JUCO guys in. Um, I mean, I know this team, the team definitely needs it. So if they can get that infusion of talent, I think we'll be looking a lot better going into next year. But, Brian, thank you so much for joining us today, my man. Um, Enjoy the weekend. A lot of good college football on today. Looking forward to watching some of that, and hopefully we'll, uh, we'll see Josh Allen take the field on Sunday, too. All righty, my man. Well, take care. Have a good weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Okay, Brian? Take care, bud. Uh, Don't go anywhere. We are going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to try and make you guys some money. It's Church of the Corn with Zach, Alex, and Fitz on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by Rocky Stone Design and Summit Medical Staffing. End of the show. It's been a blast today. Had a lot to talk about. Now let's try and make you guys a little bit of money, and I'll give my Nebraska-Michigan prediction by the end of this bad boy. So let's start, let's start in the NFL. Try and make you guys a little bit of money there. See if we got any really interesting lines. There's a couple that... I like. So, my Eagles are an 11-point favorite over the Washington. I'm going to call them the Washington football team still. I'm not going to call them the Commanders. Do it. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to boycott that. I'm I'm not going to take that 11-point spread cuz that's terrifying. But the over under it, it looks like it's a uh 44 and a half for the over. I'm going to take the over on that. I think it's going to be a little bit of a shootout, and I think the Eagles are going to put up some points there. Um, a game that I also like, we've got Chicago and Detroit. They've got Chicago as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I picked, I think it was two weeks ago, I picked for chances, Chancey Pants' Lions to upset the Packers, and they did. I'm going to also pick... The Detroit Lions and the points, two and a half. And I think I'm going to go money line. I think I think Detroit beats Chicago today. It's a bold strategy. It's 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 a stupid strategy. Let's see how it plays out, Cotton. <laughs> I don't think it's going to go well for me, but I'm going to shoot my shot there. That's my NFL picks. Um, now I want to go to college here. There's like I said, there's a lot of really good college line or a lot of really good college games today. The lines are a little, uh, but uh, first one I've got Liberty and UConn. They've got Liberty as a UConn. You gonna go UConn? I'm from Connecticut, man. Uh, I always pick UConn. Okay, well, you gonna go with the points or just the money line? I don't know what either of those means, so money line. Perfect. That just means that UConn wins. Perfect. So, all right. Well, (laughs) 
you heard it here. Uh, UConn on the money line from Conrad. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to take Liberty in the points. They are a 14 and a half point favorite. Uh, Jim Moore has got some really good things going on at UConn. He's got that program actually back to respectability. He's doing some good things up there with a program that was dead. I'm going to go Liberty in the points, 14 and a half there. Sorry, Conrad. Um, is what it is. Yeah. UConn kind of sucks, but like I'm always going to champion my team, man. Hey, you got. Hey, I'm a Nebraska fan. I, I totally get it. Yep. Um, here's an insane line for you: Ohio State, Indiana. Ohio State is a 41 point Jesus. favorite. Almost a six touchdown favorite. Do you think Indiana can be within 41 points of Ohio State? Yes. I do as well. I'm yeah. taking Ohio, I'm taking Indiana in the points. There's no way that Indiana gets beat by 41. If they do, I will punch Drake in the head next week on air. Uh, can we do the stream yard so people can watch? Sure can. Yes. That's what, see, I, I, I'm trying to get people to you know start engaging with us a little bit more here, and that's the way I'm going to do it. <laughs> well, last so, last week we had a record three callers. I, I it must be because I was gone. I was gone, so that's what had to be what it was. Uh, people like talking to them a little bit more than me. Uh, like I said, I was picking an upset earlier. LSU and Arkansas. LSU is a two and a half point favorite. I'm going to go with Arkansas. Um, I'm going to take the snow Ar- line. Oh, it's definitely on the snow line. I'm going to take the money line and the points for Arkansas. Um, And then Nebraska. They've still got him as a 29-point dog on here. I'm going to go with, let's see, it's a 52-point over. I'm going to take the over, and I'm going to take Nebraska on the points. I think it's a closer game than we can expect. I think it ends up being a... We got a question. Okay. What's what's uh, up? Can you repeat that question one more time? I'm sorry. Oh, he jumped off. Um, so, he th- uh, the question was, do we go too far back in the pocket? Um, he wanted me to ask it real quick before we jump off air. So... Should we go back five instead of seven? With that offensive line that we've got right now, we should be doing three-step drops and moving the pocket as much as possible. Um, You can't get the protection unless you're keeping the tight ends in to help block those edge rushers. Um, But then the interior of the offensive line is getting eaten up as well. So three-step drops would be your friend. Play action game or just completely moving the pocket on rollouts. Those would be your friends. Also, a quarterback's best friend. Is a run game. So if we could get a run game going, um, that would be the quarterback's best friend. Like I said, uh, Nebraska going to be in a close one today. I do think Nebraska ends up losing this game. Uh, I'm going to go Michigan. undefeated. I can't do it. I got to go. I'll go Michigan 35, Nebraska 21. And I don't know how to score that 21, but that's what I'm going to go with. Everybody, thanks so much for joining us on Church of the Corn here. For Zach, Conrad, Drake, and Fitz, enjoy the weekend, everybody. Go Big Red. Have a good one.